there was a coalition of armies that had come together to fight against King Jehoshaphat, who was the king of Judah. I had a friend share this story online yesterday, and it reminded me of how the Lord promises us his power. And so I wanted to share it again with you this morning. These armies had had gathered together, and King Jehoshaphat looks out and sees them, and his response is, he was afraid, and so he resolved to seek the Lord. He was afraid, and so he resolved to seek the Lord. He called for the entire kingdom of Judah to fast. And it says that they came from all of the cities to seek the Lord together in Jerusalem. And so Jehoshaphat prayed to the Lord in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 6. And he says to him, Lord God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hand, and no one can stand against you. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and who gave it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They've lived in the land and they built you a sanctuary in it for your name and have said, if disaster comes on us, sword or judgment, pestilence or famine, will stand before this temple and before you for your name is in this temple and will cry out to you because of our distress and you will hear and deliver. So now, here are the Ammonites and Moabites and the inhabitants of Mount Seir. And you did not let Israel invade them when Israel came out of the land of Egypt, but Israel turned away from them and did not destroy them. But look how they repay us by coming to drive us out of your possession that you gave us as an inheritance. So our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this vast number that comes to fight against us. We do not know what to do. But we look to you. They say, look at this vast army. We are powerless before them. We don't know what we're supposed to do, but we're going to look to you, God. And so God answers him in uh, the form of the Levite Jehaziel, and he says to him, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast number. For the battle is not yours, but God's. And he says to them, position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Isn't that the issue a lot of the time? We don't position ourselves and stand still and see God move. We live our lives in our strength and in our power. We're functional atheists. We may believe in God, but we live our lives like he's not here. We don't seek him for counsel. We don't seek him for wisdom. We don't seek him for power. We we don't seek him when there are sounds that are happening. We only go to God when we don't think there's any other option. When we come to a, a, a situation that's so big that we, can't, we know that there's nothing that we can do about it, 
then we go to God and say, God, we need help. But otherwise, we're going to try to handle it ourselves. And I think that this could be the reason that we make such a mess of things. Because I know what little I can do in my own strength and in my own power and in my own wisdom and my own cunning. But that's not the life that I want to live. I want that abundant life that God promises to his people in his word. I want to live in the power of God. I want God to do things in my life that I would stand there and say, only God could do that. I'm not hearing anybody say amen. I've been out for two weeks. Come on now, help me out. I want God to move in my life in such a way that I could say, only God could do that. I am not content to live my life in my power. I want to seek to live in the power of God. And that's what I want us to consider this morning as we're continuing this series through the beginning of the book of Joshua and talking about the promises of God. Today we're going to talk about God's promised power. So if you have your Bibles, I'd ask that you'd stand in honor of God's word if you're able. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 3 and verse 7. Joshua chapter 3 and verse 7, the word of God says, The Lord spoke to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, so they will know that I will be with you just as I was with Moses. Command the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant, When you reach the edge of the water, stand in the Jordan. And then Joshua told the Israelites, come closer and listen to the words of the Lord your God. He said, you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly dispossess before you the Canaanites, Hethites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. When the ark of the covenant of the Lord of the whole earth goes ahead of you into the Jordan, so choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one man for each tribe. And when the feet of the priest who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of the whole earth, come to rest in the Jordan's water, its water will be cut off. The water flowing downstream will stand up in a mass. And when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priest carried the ark of the covenant ahead of the people. Now the Jordan overflows its banks throughout the harvest season. But as soon as the priests carrying the ark reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water at its edge, and the water flowing downstream stood still, rising up in a mass that extended as far as Adam, a city next to Zarathan. The water flowing downstream into the Sea of the Arabah, the Dead Sea, was completely cut off, and the people crossed opposite Jericho. The priests carrying the ark of the Lord's covenant stood firmly on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel crossed on dry ground until the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan. Thank you. You may be seated. As we think about this passage today and how we're going to apply it in our lives, the questions that I want you to consider are these. Are we content to live our lives in our own power? Or will we seek to live in the power of God? Are you content to live your life in your own power, are we going to seek to live in the power of God? In this passage, we see God's power to Israel. In verse 7, the Lord speaks to Joshua. Today, I'm going to exalt you in the sight of all Israel so they will know 
that I will be with you just as I was with Moses. And so God tells Joshua, I'm going to exalt you today. I'm going to lift you up in front of the people. And so the Lord called out Joshua for a specific purpose, that he would be the one that would lead the people into the promised land, this promise that they had held on to now for a generation. And he says that, Joshua, you're going to be the one who's going to lead them into this promised land. And what we see is that when God calls you into his service, he doesn't leave you on your own. God empowers his people to do his will. God empowers his people to do his will. In Psalm chapter 68 and verse 35, the psalmist says, God, you are awe-inspiring in your sanctuaries. The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. Blessed be God. God gives his power, his strength to his people. He supplies his power to Joshua so that he could do it. He says, I'm going to exalt you so that they will know that I am with you. That I am empowering you to do this. And we see this same promise throughout the scriptures. That God empowered Moses to deliver the people from Egypt. That God empowered Daniel when he was in Babylon. That God empowered David to defeat Goliath. That God empowered Samson to topple the temple on the Philistines. That God empowered Gideon to defeat the Midianites with just 300 men. That God empowers his people to do his will. That God empowers his people to do his will. And these servants of the Lord didn't do these amazing feats on their own. Make no mistake that it was the Lord's power at work in them and through them. In fact, in verses 10 and 11 of our passage, he says, you'll know that the living God is among you and that he'll certainly dispossess before you the Canaanites and Hethites and Hivites and Perizzites and Girgashites and Amorites and Jebusites when the ark of the covenant of the Lord of the whole earth goes ahead of you into the Jordan. He says, when you see that, then you know. Because the Ark of the Covenant was the sign for the Hebrew people of the Lord's promise to them. It was the place where the presence of the Lord dwelt. And so when the Ark went ahead of them, they would know that the living God is among them. And that he would certainly do it. There was no questioning that God was with them, that he was empowering them, because he is the all-powerful God. He is the creator of the universe. It's repeated several times in this passage that he is the Lord of the whole earth. And they repeat that in this passage so that everyone would know that he's not just the Lord of Israel, he's the Lord of the whole earth. He's the omnipotent Lord over all things. There is nothing and there is no one that doesn't fall under his purview. Everything answers to him. And he is the one who is giving this power. That God is the one that's giving this power. In Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 through 31, the prophet says, Do you not know? 
Have you not heard that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth? He never becomes faint or weary. There's no limit to his understanding. He gives strength to the faint. He strengthens the powerless. Youths may become faint and weary, and young men will stumble and fall. But those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not become weary. They'll walk and not faint. That the Lord of the whole earth will give them his power. And when God gives them his strength, they're unstoppable. He says those who who trust in the Lord will renew their strength because they are renewed in his strength, and his strength is an endless supply. And he is giving, he's promised his power to the people of Israel here. In verse 17, the priests who are carrying the ark of the Lord's covenant stood firmly on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel crossed on dry ground until the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan. Now just imagine this picture for a minute. The priests, they have those long poles, the ark is on it. They're walking out ahead of them and they step into the Jordan River and down into it, and the next thing you know, the water just stops flowing. And it begins to pile up on top of itself. I mean, this is an incredible miracle of the Lord. And they walk out into the middle of it on dry ground and stand there until the entire nation of Israel crosses over to their long-awaited home. I mean, God performed a miracle that allowed the people to enter the promised land. This is God doing God things, okay? He does what only he could do. This isn't some trick. There's not any explaining it away. In fact, in our passage, the Bible tells us that they crossed opposite of Jericho and that the river was overflowing its banks, that it was that time of the year. And so we're not talking about some puddle that they splashed over we're talking about a raging river in flood stage and it stops and it piles up on itself until everyone crosses over because God makes the way and his power is on display I mean the people of the of the land would not have been fearful of of a nation that just crossed over a little puddle and a dry spell That's not scary. What's scary is when their God stops a river in a flood stage and they walk over it on dry ground and they go, there's something to this God. And this is the amazing promise that the Hebrew people experienced that God would go ahead in his power and they must only follow after him. And when you study the history of the Israelite people in the Old Testament, when they followed God, things went well. When they didn't follow God, there was always disaster. It seems really simple, but it's true. This is a very simple principle of the Bible. When you follow God, things go good. When you don't, they don't. And here God will go ahead in his power, and they must only follow This is God's power to Israel. But I want us to jump ahead several hundred years 
and look at God's power to his church. Because this is where we're going to take what happened a couple thousand years ago, and I'm going to put it in your life today. I'm going to put it in my life today. Because God has promised his power to his church as well. The same promise applies, that God will go ahead in his power, and we must only follow. Only now we don't have the Ark of the Covenant that symbolized God's presence sitting in the tabernacle or sitting in the temple. Instead, we are the temple of God, and he dwells within us. When you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, the Bible says, Don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple and that the Spirit of God lives in you? And just allow that to sink into your mind for a moment. The God who split the Red Sea in two, the God who stopped the flow of the Jordan River so that the people could enter the promised land, that same God has said to you, you're my temple and my spirit lives within you. Come on. He says, my spirit is inside of you. And if that's true, then we're unstoppable. I mean, if that's true, who will stop us? Who will overcome us? In fact, Jesus says the gates of Hades will not prevail against this church. And so that's what God has said to his New Testament church. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, he says to them, but you will receive. Y'all are really, I mean, I was only out two weeks, come on. You will receive, you will receive power. He says you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He says my spirit will come on you and he will dwell within you. Just like my people were looking to the ark as the place where I dwelt before, now I am going to be with you and will dwell within you. And he had just given them the Great Commission prior to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And this task is an enormous task to evangelize the entire world. That they would be heralds of the good news of God's salvation to every people, tribe, and nation. The Great Commission is impossible in our own strength. There's no way that we can do this on our own. But with his spirit... We can do anything because when God calls you into his service, he doesn't leave you on your own. He empowers his people to do his will. And so if God has called us to this, he will empower us to do it. John Mott was a famous evangelist who said, from the day of Pentecost until the present time, it's been necessary to be of one accord in prayer before the Spirit of God will work with mighty converting power. That we would be of one accord in prayer. That's exactly what Jehoshaphat did in the Old Testament. He called the kingdom to prayer and fasting. It's exactly what the New Testament church did, waiting for the Holy Spirit in the upper room in prayer. And he will go ahead in his power, and we must only follow. 
So are we going to follow the Lord's command to be disciples who are making disciples in his power? Are we going to get on our knees and cry out for the omnipotent Lord of the universe to move in his power? Because when we come to face impossible situations in our lives, we're serving the same faithful God. Same God. Yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. He is the omnipotent Lord over all things. So imagine what our lives would look like if we followed the Lord with everything that we had. Imagine his power at work in your life. Imagine his power on display in his church. Imagine his power at work in our city. Imagine his power, his people going out to Knoxville and the nations. But it begins with us on our knees before God. That's when God gave the church his Holy Spirit. Gathered there in the upper room in prayer, the whole house shook. And I wonder if the church would all get before the Lord again and cry out for him to do what only he can do. That we would cry out for God to bring a revival in our hearts and in our church and in our city like we've never seen before. That we would position ourselves and stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. The author Michael Youssef says, Only in the cross of Christ will we receive power when we're powerless. We'll find strength when we're weak. We'll experience hope when our situation is hopeless. Only in the cross is there peace for our troubled hearts. Only in the cross. See, just like in the Old Testament, we come to the New Testament, and God performed a miracle that allows us to enter the promised land. God's doing God things again. And he raises Jesus from the dead. The Son of God, who was beaten and nailed to the cross, who was mocked and who was spit upon, who was killed. But God is the all-powerful God of the universe. He does what only he could do. He makes a way, and he raises Jesus up from the dead so that he walked out of the tomb on the third day alive and breathing, and he crushes the head of the serpent, and he puts death to death, and he's offering forgiveness of our sins. He's offering life and salvation to everyone who would believe in him by faith to save them. And that's true for you today, and for you today, and for you today, and for me today. That although I may be dead in my sins, that God has made the way in his power for us to be forgiven. He's made the way for us to live with him forever if we will repent of our sins and believe in him. And... This is the amazing promise that the New Testament church experienced. That God would go ahead in his power and they must only follow him. And when you study the history of the New Testament church, when they followed God, things went well. When they didn't follow God, there was disaster. And again, it may seem very simple, but the principle is true. God's going to go ahead in his power and we only have to follow him. And that principle is true for us today. That God will go ahead in his power, and we must only follow him. But what are we going to do? Are we content to live our lives in our power and our strength, 
or are we going to seek to live in the power of God? See, there are some here today who you've been living your life in your own strength, your own power, you've been doing your own thing. And it's messed up. The Bible says that all of us mess up, all of us sin, all of us fall short of the glory of God. None of us are perfect. And that sin separates us from God. But God performed a miracle. God made a way when there was no way by sending his son Jesus to do exactly what we just talked about. He died on the cross in your place, paying the price for your sin, dying your death. But God raised him up on the third day so that you could have forgiveness today, that you could have life today, that you could have salvation today, that you could have hope today. And you can experience that in your heart if you will repent or turn away from your sin and call on Jesus to forgive you. In a minute, we're going to have a time to respond, invitation time. There's going to be leaders here across the front. We're going to be standing and singing. And if this is a decision that you need to make today, then I want you to come and to share that with one of these leaders that will be here at the front. That's the testimony of the three folks that you saw at the beginning of this service, that they made that decision in their heart recently. And there may be some here today that need to make the same decision. To say, Jesus, I need you to forgive me of my sins. I want to follow you with my life. And you will receive the power of the Lord to transform you today. Christians, the question that I asked us from the beginning is, are we going to be content to live our lives in our own power, to do church like we think we can, or are we going to seek to live in the power of God? Are we going to get on our knees and cry out to the Lord, to do what only he can do. And so I'm asking you, during this time of response, at this altar, there at your seat, to cry out to God to move in his power. Because I've seen what I can do. You've seen what you can do. Let's see what God can do. Let's stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. God, we thank you today for your word and for your promises Lord, this whole series has been about the promises that you give us. And Lord, what an incredible promise that you would give to us your power to do your will. And God, I pray today, Lord, for those who are in this room that have never trusted in you as their Lord and Savior, that today, Lord, that they would come and call on you for forgiveness. Trusting in Jesus' death and resurrection for their salvation. God, I pray that you would move in the hearts of your people during this time and that we would not be content to live our lives in our own strength and power, but God, that we would call on you, cry out to you to do what only you can do. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.